Imagine bold, naturally-aged Tillamook cheddar slices melting over a burger, eating thick-cut cheddar shreds straight from the bag. Ah, it's nice to dream about cheese for a bit. Tillamook cheddar, extraordinary dairy. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no hollow, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death. Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. I'm Lindsay. I'm... I'm laughing, laughing at myself because I always spray like some protection spray uh-huh. as the prayer's going and I'm like thinking about being surrounded by white lights so and the ritual. demons can't get me. I do have my ritual <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. and I was spaced off about something else. Like I say the prayer in my head, which is yeah. maybe counterintuitive. Anyways, and I was like, oh, I forgot to. <laughs> I am very excited for today's show. I have a very different story I'll talk about here in a second. I'm so nervous because you've been talking I about know. it. I want to share this because it's, it's weirded me out and I just want to see what you think. Uh, before we get there, super cool scared to death phone cases in the store at badmagicmerch.com. Yay! The three awesome designs to choose from. Uh, they look so good. Uh, store at badmagicproductions.com for any customer service questions or issues. And thank you again to the Roberts and Annabelles, part of the uh, Bad Magic Productions family, for both employing us and helping us donate $12,200 to nokidhungry.org this month. Yeah, it was a fun donation to make. Mm-hmm. 20% of all Bad Magic Patreon subscriptions go to charity, if you don't know. No Kid Hungry is a national campaign run by Share Our Strength, a nonprofit working to solve problems of hunger and poverty in the U.S. and around the world, keeping kids fed right now who counted on school lunch to not go hungry. And if you want to learn more, go to nokidhungry.org, link in the episode description. And then I have my two stories today, per usual. How many do you have, Lulu? Dos. Dos stories. I, I think it's so cute how you've been using my nickname on the show. <laughs> yep. Somebody recently sent me a message. They were like, I love when he calls you your nickname. Cute. Oh, sweet. <laughs> uh, the first story is a bigger one. Uh, second story is a little baby story. Oh. And and the first story is just, I can't stop thinking about it. it, it it's not necessarily paranormal. Okay. So it's very different for the show, but it definitely happened. It's extremely well documented. Mm-hmm. And it is fucking creepy. Okay. It's called The Watcher. And I don't want to give was anything else away. Was that a movie? Yes, there was a movie, but this is, it's, it's completely not one separate. separate. No, okay. no, okay. totally different. Okay. There, there was some like... Oh, I want to say Hallmark Channel kind of <laughs> replication. I came across in one article of this, but I don't even know what the name of that movie was. And it also was like dramatized, blah, blah, blah. I'm laughing very hard on the inside because one of our fans from Time Suck, yeah. Adam Throw, he loves like the Hallmark. The melodramas. Pro- he loves them. <laughs> they, they do pull you in. They do. And it, it just kills me. I always think of him as like big burly guy uh-huh. loving those movies. 
Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a wild ride. And the second okay. story revolves around some poltergeist activity in a home in Albuquerque. It's a, it's a little quick hit story, and I just don't want to give anything away in the preview. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Well, I'm pretty amped up about your first story mm-hmm. because for the last several days, you've been like, oh, it's going to give you a whole new thing to be afraid of. Truly. Which I don't fucking appreciate. I, I know. I, I just have to tell it. Okay. Well, let me show off my it. socks and then okay. we can get into it. Okay. My, these awesome Christmas dinos. Can you really see them? They got kind of lost in the shuffle of the holidays as things do. Cute. But I'm 99.9% sure they're from my friend, my fan, my fan, Fran, my friend. There you go. Lindsay in Florida. Oh, okay. Carry on, Dan. Okay. So a little bit of setup on this first one, but not much for the broadest family. Back in the summer of 2014, what would soon turn into a nightmare started out as such a beautiful dream. That June, Derek and his wife, Maria, closed on a massive six-bedroom, beautifully renovated, nearly 4,000-square-foot stately home built in 1905 in Westfield, New Jersey. Dang. I'll have pictures of this uh, uh, home after the story. The house sat and still sits on the boulevard, a wide tree-lined street with some of the more desirable homes in the very affluent community. The home rests in a quiet neighborhood, conveniently located a half mile from the Westfield train station that'll put you in Manhattan's Penn Station in just 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. So an ideal location for someone who works in the city, but you know wants to raise their family in a big home in the suburbs. And for the Broadduses, buying the house at 657 Boulevard fulfilled a wonderful dream. Maria had been raised in Westfield, and the house sat just a few blocks from her childhood home. She'd admired it ever since she was just a kid. She was excited and proud to soon be living on the boulevard. Oh, that's so sweet. Her husband, Derek, grew up a working class kid in Maine. And through a lot of long hours, determination, and hard work, he'd moved his way up the corporate cutthroat ladder at a huge insurance company in Manhattan to become a senior vice president. Dang. With a salary big enough to be able to buy the $1.35 million home. The Broadduses had bought what they thought would be their dream house at 657 Boulevard just after Derek celebrated his 40th birthday. And their three kids were already debating over which one of the house's fireplaces Santa Claus would use to bring down presents next Christmas. Come on, this is so sweet. And then just a few days after moving in, this dream turned into a nightmare. Time now for the tale of The Watcher. Derek had just finished an evening of painting at his new house when he went outside to check the mail around 10 p.m. He was alone. His wife and kids were at the old home where they were planning on living until some of their new renovations were complete. When Derek checked the mail, he found the first of what would be several similar-looking white card-shaped envelopes. It was addressed in thick, clunky handwriting to the new owner. Oh, my God. And the first few lines of the typed note inside were pretty friendly. Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. At that point, the note took a dark turn. How did you end up here? The writer asked. Did 657 Boulevard call you to it with its force within? It got stranger as it went on. 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched it in the 1960s. It is now my time. What the fuck? Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. To make sure Derek knew that they were really watching, the author then mentioned the Broadus's Honda minivan, Honda minivan, as well as the workers he'd seen renovating their new home. Oh my god. I see already that you have flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. 
Tisk, tisk, tisk. Bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. Even more disturbing, the author referenced Derek and Maria's three children, only five, eight, and ten years old. You have children, the watcher wrote. I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. Are there more on the way? Then things got still more disturbing when the watcher wrote, Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? What? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family, or was it greed to bring your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. The more he read, the further Derek's stomach sank. Who am I? The author taunted. There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I am in one. My God. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I am in one. Look out any of the many windows in 657 Boulevard at all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. The letter ended by making it clear it wouldn't be the last Derek would receive. Welcome, my friends, welcome. Let the party begin. Followed by a signature typed in a cursive font, The Watcher. After finishing The Watcher's letter, Derek raced around the house, turning off all the lights so no one could see inside. Then he called the Westfield Police Department. The officer who came to the house, once finishing the letter, literally said out loud, What the fuck is this? Correct. Derek had no idea. The officer asked Derek if he had enemies. Derek said he didn't. At least he didn't until now. After the officer left, Derek rushed back to his wife and kids at their former Westfield home. That night, Derek and Maria emailed John and Andrea Woods, the couple who had just sold them, 657 Boulevard, to ask if they had any idea who the watcher might be. Andrea Woods replied the next morning. She said that a few days before moving out, the Woods had also received a letter from someone describing themselves as the Watcher. Oh, my God. The note had been odd, she said, and it made similar mention of the Watcher's family observing the house over a long period of time. But Andrea said she and her husband had never previously received anything like it in their 23 years in the house and threw it away without much thought. That same day, the Woods went with Maria to the police station, where Detective Leonard Lugo told them to not tell anyone else about the letters, especially their neighbors, who were now all suspects. Mm-hmm. The police opened an investigation. Derek and Maria would just have to wait and see what they could find. They were both rattled. Derek canceled a work trip so he could stay close to his family. Maria wouldn't let their kids play in the new yard unless she was actively there watching them. When Derek gave a tour of the renovations they were doing to a couple on the block, he froze when the <gasps> wife said, it'll be nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood. Fuck. It was agonizing to think one of his neighbors may have sent that letter, but not know who, not be able to prove it. The broadest general contractor arrived one morning to find that a heavy sign he'd hammered into the front yard had been ripped out overnight. Did the watcher do that? Two weeks after the first letter arrived, a second showed up. <laughs> Maria found it when she stopped by the house to look at some paint samples. She immediately recognized the same thick black lettering on a card-shaped envelope, called the police. Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard, the watcher wrote. The workers have been busy, and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time, they will. What? This time, the watcher had addressed Derek and Maria directly, misspelling their names as Mr. and Mrs. Braddis. How did he know their names already? Had they already met the watcher? The watcher boasted of having learned a lot about the family over the past few weeks, especially about their children. The letter not only identified the Broadus' three kids by their birth order, they also knew them by their nicknames. Uh-uh. 
How could they possibly know that? Maria thought about how she'd called them by their nicknames inside the house and in the yard only a few times. Had the watcher been within earshot? That close to her and her kids? She shivered at the thought. It made her skin crawl. The watcher wrote, I am pleased to know your names now and the name of the young blood you have brought me. You certainly say their names often. And then the watcher asked about one child in particular whom the writer had apparently been uh, had seen using an easel inside their enclosed porch. Is she the artist in the family? Shit. The letter continued. 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of this house. Have you found all the secrets it holds yet? Will you let the young blood play in the basement? Or will they be too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic? Or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the watcher and have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on, and they kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too, Broadus family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. The house is crying from all the pain it is going through. You have changed it and made it so fancy. You are stealing its history. It cries for the past and what it used to be in the time when I roamed its halls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard when I ran from room to room, imagining the life with the rich occupants there. The house was full of life and young blood. Then it got old and so did my father, but he kept watching until the day he died. And now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. Have a happy moving in day. You know I'll be watching. Signed again, The Watcher. Oh my god. After this letter, Derek and Maria stopped bringing their kids to the new house entirely. Good. They were now no longer sure when or if they'd move in. They struggled over what to do next. Then several weeks later, several weeks later, a third letter arrived. Oh my god. Where have you gone to? The Watcher asked. 657 Boulevard is missing you. Who was sending these letters? Based on the details provided, was it someone in the neighborhood? The letters did indicate proximity. They'd been processed in Kearney, the U.S. Postal Service's distribution center in northern New Jersey. The first was postmarked June 4th before the sale of the home went public. The Woodses had, had actually never even put up a for sale sign due to how desirable the neighborhood was. Huh. The contractors had first shown up only the day before on June 3rd. When Derek and Maria brought over an investigator, Detective Lugo, they showed him how the easel on the porch the watcher had referenced was hidden from the street by vegetation, making it very difficult to see who was inside unless someone was behind the house or right next door. Could the watcher literally be living next door? Oh, my God. Not long after the third letter, Derek thought for a moment he'd solved the mystery. He was chatting with John Schmidt, John Schmidt, who lived two doors down, when Schmidt told him about the Langfords, who lived between them. Peggy Langford was in her 90s and several of her adult children, all in their 60s, lived with her. And the whole family, according to John, was odd. Mm. 
He described one of the younger Langfords, Michael, as a bushy-bearded, unemployed Boo Radley type, a weird, creepy recluse. Derek thought Michael had to be the watcher. The pieces fit. The Langford house sat right next to the easel on the porch. The family had lived there since the 1960s, when the watcher's father, the letter said, had begun observing 657 Boulevard. The Broadus has told Detective Lugo about the Langford family and found out he was already investigating them. Hmm. He'd already brought Michael Langford in to police headquarters for questioning. And when interrogated, Michael denied knowing anything about the letters. And despite not being convinced he was not the watcher, there was nothing more Detective Lugo could legally do based on existing evidence. Frustrated, the Broadus's began their own investigation. Derek set up webcams all over the property, spent hours at night crouched in the dark trying to catch someone watching their house. My God, it'd make you mad. He made a map displaying when each of 657's neighbors had moved in. The Langfords were the only ones there since the 60s, with overlays marked, uh, marking possible sight lines for the easel and a circle for approximate range of earshot to estimate who might have heard Maria yelling their kids' nicknames. Only a few homes fit both criteria. Derek and Maria also hired a private investigator who staked out the neighborhood. He ran background checks on the Langfords and others didn't find anything noteworthy. Man. Derek and Maria also hired Robert Lenahan, a former FBI agent, to conduct a threat assessment. Lenahan didn't think the watcher was likely to act on the threats, but the letters did convey a seething anger directed at the wealthy, which concerned him. Lenahan recommended looking into the home's former housekeepers and their descendants. Perhaps the watcher was a, was jealous that the Broadduses had bought a home that the writer couldn't afford. While Lenahan and other outside investigators explored new possibilities, local police further investigated the Langfords. At the request of the Westfield police, the Broadduses sent a letter to the Langfords announcing plans to tear down their house, hoping that would prompt a response from the watcher. It didn't. Detective Lugo then brought Michael Langford in for a second interview, but again got nowhere. The Broadduses then hired Lee Levitt, an attorney who met with several members of the Langford family, as well as with their attorney, to show them the watcher's letters, along with photos explaining how their home was one of the few vantage points to which, from which the easel could be seen. The Langfords insisted Michael was innocent and were outraged and offended by the accusations. Of course. As the months wore on with no answer, Maria and Derek began having literal nightmares about the watcher. Maria kept dreaming about a dangerous man with a pitchfork calling out to them, a man who kept reaching her kids before she could stop him. Both Maria and Derek spent hours each week on the computer, Googling basically, basically everyone they met, knew, or thought they knew, digging into their backgrounds, looking for some clue that would out them as being the watcher. They found nothing useful. Neither did anyone else. And by the end of 2014, the investigation had stalled. Oh, man. The watcher had left no digital trail, no fingerprints, no way to place someone at the scene of a crime that could have been hatched from pretty much any mailbox in northern New Jersey. That December, Derek even showed the letters to his priest, who agreed to bless the house. Headed into 2015, their renovations now complete, the Broadduses still hadn't moved in. They sold their old home, were staying with Maria's parents. They were simply too worried about their family's safety to live in what was supposed to be their dream home. Yeah. They fought constantly. They started taking medication to fall asleep. <laughs> I, was de I was a depressed wreck, Derek said. <clears throat> Maria decided to see a therapist after a routine doctor's visit that began with the question, how are you? And it caused her to burst into tears. Meanwhile, the watcher was still out there sending letters. And the watcher seemed to be getting more and more unhinged. Writing in another letter... 657 Boulevard is turning on me. It's coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? What? It used to be my friend. Now it is my enemy. 
I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again like I once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it. Let it alone. The Broadus has now decided to try to sell 657 Boulevard. Yeah, no shit. But rumors of the watcher made that impossible. One broker emailed the client to, uh, to one broker emailed to say her client loved the home, but there were too many unsubstantiated rumors flying around, ranging from sexual predator to stalker. Jeez. More emails like this soon followed. The Broadus had sent a partial disclosure mentioning the letters to interested buyers and told the realtor that they intended to show the full letters to anyone whose offer was accepted. And these letters scared everyone away. Yeah, of course. Derek and Marina now grew furious with the previous owners, the Woodses. Why hadn't they disclosed their watcher letter? On June 2nd, 2015, a year after buying 657 Boulevard, they filed a lawsuit against the Woodses, arguing that they should have disclosed the letter. They hoped to reach a quiet settlement, but then a local reporter saw the legal complaint and the story went viral. We do some creepy stories, Tamron Hall would say in the Today Show a few weeks later. This might be top 10 creepy. My God. News trucks were soon camped out at 657 Boulevard, and one local reporter even set up a lawn chair to conduct his own watch. The Broadduses would receive more than 300 media requests. They denied all of them. They decided not to speak publicly to spare their kids any extra attention, and they vacated Westfield, went to a friend's beach house. Back in Westfield, the whole neighborhood was now on edge. Lori Clancy, who taught piano lessons in the house behind 657 Boulevard, said that when one of her students came for a lesson shortly after news of the watcher broke, she started bawling. She was terrified to walk down the boulevard, Clancy said. Baron Chambliss, a veteran detective in the Westfield Police, now dug back into the case. Chambliss knew his colleagues had looked closely at Michael Langford. And Chambliss discovered that part of the reason he was ruled out as a suspect was because initial investigators had conducted a DNA analysis on one of the watcher's envelopes and determined that the DNA belonged to a woman. Oh. Chambliss decided to look more closely at Abby Langford, Michael's sister, who worked as a real estate agent. Was she upset about missing a commission right next door? Chambliss coordinated with a security guard to nab her plastic water bottle during a shift change. The DNA sample was not a match. The cops asked former owner Andrea Woods for a DNA sample, even interviewed her 21-year-old son, who was surprised to find that he suddenly was a suspect. They were also ruled out. The Broadduses themselves were even looked at as suspects. Had they faked it all for some odd reason? The police tested Maria's DNA also didn't match. Chambliss and Westfield are in the Westfield police back at square one. So were the Broadduses. Their lawsuit against the previous owners was dismissed. Some states require sellers to disclose transient social conditions like murders or possible hauntings, but New Jersey has no such regulation. In the spring of 2016, they put 657 back on the market again. The Broadus has held a well-attended open house, but once again, each time a potential buyer expressed interest and met with the Broadus's lawyer to read the watcher letters, they backed out. Yeah. The Broadus has then decided to rent the house. A family with grown children and two big dogs soon agreed to move in. The renter told a local reporter he wasn't worried about the watcher, although he said he had a clause in his lease that would let him out if a letter showed up. So he was worried about the watcher. And then just two weeks later, that letter did show up. This time, the watcher wrote, 
Violent winds and bitter cold to the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria. You wonder who the watcher is. Turn around, idiots. Maybe you even spoke to me, one of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the watcher could be. Or maybe you do know and are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. I walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood and mocked me. I watched as you watched from the dark house in an attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. Oh my god. The renter was mentioned in the letter, and the Broadus family were explicitly threatened now. The watcher indicated revenge could come to them in many forms. Maybe a car accident. Maybe a fire. Maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away, but makes you fall sick day after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet. Loved ones suddenly die. Planes and cars and bicycles crash. Bones break. Derek took this letter to the police headquarters, where a detective looked at a neighborhood map and traced a circle around the house 300 yards in diameter. The watcher must be somewhere in there, but where? Who? They still had no idea who was doing this. The new renter moved out. A new tenant later moved in, but their rent didn't cover the mortgage. That last letter had ended with, you are despised by this house. And the watcher has won. And it seems as if the watcher really did win. Looking at a history of the real estate listings, uh, I found that finally on July 5th, 2019, after dumping over six figures into renovations, Oof. after losing money on the property every month for just over five years, after listing the property five separate times, it appears that Derek and Maria Bratis were finally able to sell it for roughly $400,000 less than what they had originally paid for it. Ooh. Factoring in reno renovations, the watcher had cost them well over half a million dollars, and they still don't know who they are. They still don't know what the watcher was referring to when they wrote of what may lie inside the walls or in the basement of the house at 657 Boulevard. And what about the new owners? As far as I can tell, they refuse to speak to the media and have not been publicly identified. No word on what watcher letters they may or may not have already received. Or is the watcher now living inside the house they coveted so much? Or are they supplying it with the young blood they say it craves? What in the actual fuck? I literally started to feel sick. How fucked up is that story? Oh my God, I have so many things. Show me the pictures and we got a lot to discuss here. <laughs> okay, so this first picture Ow. is just a, you know, uh, like a real estate list. Well, actually, no, this is just a, it looks similar to the real estate listing, but take it at night. Yeah. Of 657 Boulevard, Westfield, New Jersey. Great house. It, yeah, it is. It's a really nice house. And I yeah. and I didn't want to like turn this into like a real estate showing. Sure. But you can find it on like, I think it was like realtor.com. Yeah, or Zillow, one of those. Mm -hmm, exactly. And there was a bunch of interior pictures. I mean, they did nice renovations. Well, he, I think when you spend $600,000 on renovations. Well, no, uh, I don't know that it was $600,000. Did I say that? You did. Oh, well, then they lost over a million dollars. I know, that's I was, true. When you said that, I was like, I think your math is a little wonky. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Right? I'm 99.9% sure. I can't sure. remember. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes I remember things that you say that I <laughs> don't remember correctly. Um, th This uh, next picture is another pic of the home. So just yeah. say, yeah, it's got, I mean. Like lush landscaping, mm -hmm. the whole thing. Honestly, I feel like that house could be a movie set. Right. You know? Right. Actually, it reminds me almost of the stepbrother's house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that movie. For some reason, it reminds me of those old Desperate Housewives, that little like, totally. neighborhood yeah. they lived in. Yeah. Um, Built on the back lot of Universal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then this uh, this next is a picture of one of their neighbors. I don't know if this is Michael Langford, but this is somebody who's investigated. So. <laughs> that is like the worst. You've had some bad 
attempts, but that is just pathetic. Come on. Michael Myers. Yeah, no, I mean, I know who it is. Okay. I have one more picture. This is another neighbor. Is it a legitimate one? This is another neighbor that um, I guess was like back in the yard or something when they you. took this. So I don't know if he was ever investigated. Really? Come on. Jason Voorhees? No? Okay. Okay. Okay, I'm done now. <laughs> Your dad jokes are getting real weak, my oh, friend. Oh, man. Okay, okay. First of all, when you started the story and you mm-hmm. said that he went out to check the mail at 10 p.m. at night, I was ready like fuck because I do that all the time. Mm-hmm. I go outside by myself late at night. We live on a busy street. And sometimes yeah. I do have that thought because we've so, we've told so many stories here about like the white woman in the road or, you know, just like right. where I sometimes I think. And also there are deer and turkey on our road. <laughs> and and mm-hmm. le- legitimately, I so think sometimes if a car was coming down the road too fast and they saw a deer, they could swerve. I mean, it could be like a freak accident, but it would actually it's pretty dumb of me. To go out to our mailbox late at night in yeah, the dark. True. I mean, true. You should probably stop. I sh- well, I will now. I just think this one is just so unnerving because oh, God, because it is. it is such a direct attack on the quote unquote American dream. Well, okay. I don't even fucking forget about that. I want to talk about the house. Right. Is there? Did something terrible happen in the house? That I couldn't understand. Not that I could find, and I and I read through a lot of art. So if something did, yeah, it was never publicly disclosed, from what I can tell. Right. Because I feel like, okay, what is he talking about in the walls? And if right. I'm, was it the Langfords? No, yeah. the uh, um, the Langfords the, were next door. It was the Broadduses. Broadduses, the which also like the Langfords. I was immediately thinking about that uh, the Ozarks. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so hard to stay focused. Um, but the Broadduses. I would have torn every fucking wall open. I, I mean, I because I know what would happen at first. It'd be like, this is fucking weird. Right. What are we going to do? And then as the letters continue and they talk about the basement and the attic and the walls. I mean, you've already spent however much you've spent just fucking tear open every wall. Yeah. And why didn't they just tear the fucking house down? I don't know. I mean, because it's, well, I do know because it's extremely expensive. This is a big, nice. And uh, yeah, but still, I don't you know. You would just tell yourself, I, mean, I would think like this could be a crazy person or if it is paranormal. If we're, let's just say that there is something, some entity, it's not like um, you're going to find it inside the walls. No, it's I like don't, an energy in the house, if at all. I, I think that I'm I'm curious. I wish that we could get in contact with the new owners, but I'm curious yeah. if they have any paranormal <laughs> things I don't think happen. they want to be contacted. Well, they bought the house. I mean, come on. You have to know what that comes with. They got it at a great deal. And I, and I, be, I would wonder, uh, you know, there's most of the coverage from this goes back a couple of years. And it was mostly like New York, New Jersey based uh, newspapers. Yeah. I mean, it was on the Today Show. It get a little bit of national coverage, but uh, it shows up on like random top 10 lists. It's kind of referenced. Mm-hmm. But even on those, I had to dig through five, six, seven different, you know, pages, web pages of like Google results to find those lists. Right. Um, you know, and searching for what we've been doing this show a year and a half now, and mm-hmm. I search every week for different things. Right, right, right. And this is the first time I've heard of it. So maybe they're thinking like, hold on to this house five, yeah. ten years. It, they would make so much money. They probably right. will make so they much money. They probably will. They probably will. But okay, I just cost not being a consideration. Yeah. I just want to like, I want to open every wall. Is there some sort of hidden something, a message somewhere? Is Can you imagine di- if they found like bones? That's what I was thinking. A fucking body in the wall after all this. Mm-hmm. Or the basement or the attic or something. And also, let me say this though. If, yes. If, if you are never going to live there, 
It's because oh, it scares yeah. the shit out of you. Yeah. Do you really want to find something that's going to make it even harder to sell? True. But it's a non-disclosure state, so you don't have to. They never had to disclose I, about I, those letters. I, I mean, I, I think it's the right thing to do. And I read and I read more about that. It just didn't fit like the narrative of like spooky story. Right. But like reading further about that, they just felt morally. Of course. After what? After like the threats to their kids and stuff. One thousand percent agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But I mean, Idaho is a non-disclosure state. So if someone did die in our house or any house or a heinous, they don't have to tell you. Now, if you ask, they have to tell you, huh. but they do not have to offer up right. that information. Yeah. It's it just, um, oh man, it's so many things. I had one other thought and then you interrupted me. Um, <laughs> shoot, like the remodel, the basement, the attic. I don't know. It's just, it's just bizarre. It's just bizarre. It has a very uncomfortable feeling. We wouldn't move in. No, no, not after all. I mean, forget paranormal. Right. Even if it, even if this story it does feel. So, oh, oh, I know what I was going to say. Got it. Um, the the writer huh? kind of indicates some idea of his or her age. Well, her her age. So if if she was a kid in the sixties, yeah. I mean, honestly, I would be having a thought of like, how much longer could that person be alive? Like trying to like guesstimate their age. <laughs> you just if you just outlive quite a while. Quite a while, because if they were if they were a kid in the sixties, okay, let's just say it was like late sixties. Yeah, that means they could have been born in nineteen sixty, which only puts them at sixty years old. Which you know, which means they could be they could be hanging around for another thirty, forty years. But if you never move into the house and you're able to rent it, and it's just solely an investment for you, fine. People make investments for thirty years all the time. Yes, yes, for, but, for the new family, oh, not for the broadest. Got it, got it, got it. Because yeah, they were yeah. losing money on their rent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, that poor bastard. I know. And like you know, I was worried. I'm like, oh my god, are they going to get divorced? Are they going to be right? okay? Because you can't sustain that kind of emotional trauma day after day and not have problems at home. Oh yeah. I mean, I drink a lot anyways, and I don't have those kinds of problems. So I, we would be, I'd be an AA. Oh, like, I'm God. not mocking that. Like, no, I would yeah, have it's... a drinking problem because I wouldn't know how, else, mm. how how to cope. Therapy or not, which, you know, I love therapy, but, like, I would be so scared every night. Uh. Self-medicating to sleep. Not promoting that, just saying, you know? <laughs> right, right. No, it's terrifying. Yeah. To not Ooh. know who, what you're facing, who you're facing. God. Now, I also wonder, sorry, last thing. 300 what was it 300 meters uh, uh i believe all the way around it's yeah like, so yeah can that sounds you right hire an investigator to go to every house that could theoretically have an angle i mean they can go there yeah three uh oh i can't find it but it was roughly that yeah you, you can go there i know you but you can't like force them to talk you can't look in their house i mean you can just do like stakeouts and stuff i think i don't know all the. Uh, yeah i don't know either i'm sure it varies state to state somewhat and this is why it would drive you crazy, because you'd be thinking of all these scenarios. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they're legal experts on everything that they can do now. Yeah. I'm sure the Broadus has explored all the angles. I feel really bad for them. Oh, yeah, me too. And, and, and you know, because all the money they lost in the house, all the terror, and they spent a lot of money on investigators. Right. And there was actually more investigators than I mentioned. Again, I pared it down to keep the story moving. Yeah. But there's plenty of other details. Like, there was um, uh, at least one more FBI, former FBI agent they yeah. also hired. I mean, they spent uh, tons of money, and right. and the the guy was interviewed like after they had already moved out the house, you know, all that stuff was uh, they were kind of done with it, mm-hmm. and they were just the the guy uh, Derek was still just he was like broken, of course, so tormented because y- it just y- psychically destroyed him. Y- well, yeah, because anytime you would even if they moved out of their friend's beach house, out of her parents' house, bought a new house, you're yeah. just every time you check the mail, mm-hmm. you're just waiting for that. I would fucking tear down my mailbox and get a PO box indefinitely. Hmm. Yep. I just, Ugh. like, I wouldn't want the, not that that would stop it, but yeah. I just. Yikes. Ugh. 
Uh, you, we are sleeping with all the lights. <laughs> I told on. you it was a crazy story. It's so crazy, so disturbing. Are you are you ready to move on to something a little more traditionally scary? I mean, I don't even know if I can focus. <laughs> but yes, yes, Dan. The answer is yes. Okay, excited to tell another tale after a quick sponsor break. What is the most basic gift you have ever given the moms in your life for Mother's Day? Flowers, a candle, some random knickknack you picked up at the last minute because you completely spaced Mother's Day? I have definitely made the mistake of procrastinating gifts for Mother's Day. And then, like the Friday before, I run to whatever store is open and convince myself that, yes, yes, my mom does need another coffee mug that declares she's the world's (laughs) best. So lame. This year, how about one-upping yourself by giving the moms in your life an Aura picture frame? Named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to any mom at any age. Aura frames connect easily to Wi-Fi and have unlimited storage so you can share as many pictures as you want. This year, as many of you know, I am on a spending freeze, but one of my carve-outs was meaningful gifts for the people I love. I don't want to give all of the moms in our lives something that won't bring them joy. We are giving Aura frames to the moms in our world because they are timeless, heartwarming gifts. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code SCARED at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What are the things that weigh you down on a day-to-day basis? What kind of stress are you holding on to? Do you spend much of your day going over things in your brain over and over until they are so distracting it affects your mental health? Well, don't worry. You're not alone. We all carry different stressors, some big, some small. When we keep things bottled up, the results can be negative. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest without fear or judgment. It's a place to work through what is heavy on your mind and heart so that you can feel lighter and happier. I'm always holding on to something. It's the way my anxious brain works. I'm continually worried that I've done something wrong, that I've hurt the feelings of someone I love, and that I have let someone down. I'm stressed that I'm not being a good enough mom or wife. I panic that our life will implode at any given moment and it'll all be my fault. Thankfully, I have an amazing therapist who helps me talk through each of these scenarios. After each and every appointment, I feel lighter, happier, and more capable of showing up as my most authentic self. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash scared to death today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash scared to death. Summer is just around the corner. Who's excited? I know I am. With the warmer, sunnier days calling your name, the last place you're going to want to be is in your kitchen, cooking and meal prepping. Make your life easier with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Factors Never Frozen, Always Fresh Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Think of all the extra time you will get outside in the summer sun when you aren't wasting hours in the kitchen. I think I speak for everyone when I say that the summer is the busiest time of the year. We are all trying to cram in as many things as possible, from concerts to vacations and everything in between. With Kyler home from college and Monroe on her break too, I want to spend as much time as possible with them. And while I truly love to cook, the summer is the one time of year that I'm the least interested in doing that for three meals a day. So I lean on Factor to help keep me healthy and in step with my diet. I'm obsessed with the honey yogurt pancakes for breakfast, the pork El Pastor for lunch, and the cilantro lime barramundi for dinner. So easy and saves me so much time. Head to factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 and use code scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. 
That's code scared to death 50 at factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Thank you for sticking with us, creeps and peepers. Now for that next story. No setup on this one. Okay. Just going to dive right in. A little baby story, but also very spooky. Mm-hmm. Time now for the tale of The Follower. When the following encounter allegedly took place, Diego and his family had been living in the single-family wood frame concrete block foundation home for about a dozen years. He and his family, both of his parents, two sisters and a brother, had long believed that the house built in Albuquerque in 1904 was haunted. They'd all felt odd cold spots, the strong sensation of being watched, seeing movement out of the corners of their eyes, and he and his, one of his sisters had even both heard the distinct sounds of someone pacing back and forth in the attic. Yeah. When that happened, they'd been brave enough to grab some flashlights, open the attic access, climb up a ladder, and look around. Get the fuck out of here! And while they didn't see anyone, they both agreed that they felt something watching them from the exact same corner. They both got the chills. And when they left the attic, they both distinctly heard the pacing start back up again. But that wasn't the most intense encounter experienced by someone in their family. Diego's brother has it beat. He and some of his friends had formed a garage band, and they started meeting up together to practice and write songs late on Sunday afternoons. They'd practice into the early evening, calling it quits by 10 p.m. at the latest so the noise wouldn't keep up anyone else in the family. Diego was almost out of the house by that time on Sunday nights. At that time, he worked at a, a graveyard shift that started at 10. And what happened to his brother followed a really fun practice when they'd wanted to keep it going past 10. So they decided to head over to one of their former... or to head over to one of the other band members' houses. Diego's brother handed his car keys to his buddy so they could load up the equipment, which was a bit of a pain. They had to walk all the way to the back of the basement, up the back stairs, through the kitchen doorway, down the hall into the living room, and then out through the front porch. When everything else was loaded up, Diego's brother went back in for one last trip to make sure they'd grabbed all of their things. Everyone else was now outside in his truck, waiting for him. When Diego's brother was walking up the back stairs, he remembered that he left some pancakes in a to-go container sitting on a speaker in the basement, so he made the decision to go back and grab them. And walking across the basement, about to retrieve his food, out of the corner of his eye, he saw it. A shadowy figure in his peripheral vision. A feeling of dread and uneasiness washed over him. Without turning his head to try and get a better look, he grabbed his food, mumbled a quick prayer, then started to move briskly towards and then up the stairs. Then he hurried through the house, closing doors and turning off lights as he went. The last light switch he had to turn off before exiting through the front porch was on the opposite side of the front door. Luckily for him, as he was getting real spooked now, he felt like whatever he'd seen in the basement was following him. The door was open and the light from the street lamp was flooding into the living room. Then just before making it outside, Diego's brother told him that he felt something at his back, something right behind him. His mind flashed on the shadow from the basement. He thought briefly about turning around, but did he really want to risk seeing what he thought might be there? Instead, a chill running down his spine, he flicked off the last switch, and the living room went dark, as did the rest of the house. As he stepped outside, he pulled on the door, closing it behind him. Then, still holding his food container in one hand, he jogged down the porch steps. He now walked towards the front gate, which was a good 30 or 40 feet from the front door. As he closed the gap between himself and his friend-laden truck, he started to feel better, like he was finally alone. He smiled and quietly laughed a bit at himself for getting so spooked. He climbed into the driver's side of the truck, put on a seatbelt, and was getting ready to pull out of the parking spot directly in front of the house when one of his friends said, Hey, wait, what about your brother? Isn't he coming with us? Diego's brother, confused, answered, What do you mean? 
He went to work earlier tonight. He's already gone. Oh my god. And then all his friends looked like they'd seen a ghost and maybe they had. One of them asked, so who was walking behind you when you left the house? Oh my god. I got the chills on that one too. Oh yeah, all over. Mm Mm-hmm. All over. Yikes. Do you have pictures? I have one picture. Okay, and then I'll tell you something. Okay. Now, I don't know if this was what was walking behind him, but what if it was? I mean, what if? What if it was a terrible dad joke walking That's right not by- even a dad joke. This is a scary cretin. You might, might have been there. Well, I mean, that looks like a, a still from a movie. And, uh, well, I thought it was spooky. Well, I think your spook photo is lame. My photos really missed today. I feel like my stories really hit and my photos, not so much. Well, you can't always have home runs. You know what I mean? That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so what were uh, you going to say? No, honestly, sometimes the photos are scary, but you know when they're really scary when I have to look away. But true. I also don't want that cemented in my brain. True. Fair. Um, I had this thought. You know how our upstairs is significantly hotter than the rest of our house? Uh-huh. What if What if it doesn't always have to be cold somewhere? What if it can be hot? I've always thought that there was something upstairs. You know what? Do you get what I'm saying? I do. Yeah. What know. if? I don't know. I mean, I mean, yeah, there's no rules. Not no, that we know of. Yeah, not that we... Exactly. No rules that nobody knows of for sure. Mm-hmm. So, could be. I just was like... Thank God it's in the kids' area, not ours. I know, right? Right. Good luck, guys. <laughs> thank, thank God if somebody in our house has to be haunted, it's the kids. True. True. Remember when you tried to play that terrible um, prank on Kyler? I mean, oh, yeah. it was pretty funny. I was just thinking maybe it's time for a round two. I know. I don't know if it's been long enough. He... Because it was hard to sell him on that prank. Okay, how about when he goes to college... We be, we befriend his roommate and mm. repeat the prank, but oh, actually, that's what I need to do. I need to get a remote control Bluetooth thing, and then I don't even have to be at the house, mm. right? And then he starts hearing scary stuff coming out of his bedroom. That I mean, because he was he was scared by what he was hearing from those little speakers. I know you but have then, to pick different sounds, though. I think it should just be like wall scratching, right? Right, something more subtle, uh-huh. and then something that can't. End the prank prematurely by going, Bluetooth disconnected. <laughs> that, that ruined that. It did. And and I do take blame for that. Oh, and, and I feel bad for that. Uh, I don't even, because I don't even know if I've talked about it here on the show. I think I did, but it's been I a while. I did. I don't know. It's like a for year ago. For those of you like, what are you talking about? I just, um, I got these tiny little Bluetooth speakers from Amazon, like the smallest ones I could find. And um, I put them in, like, basically inside his nightstand. Like, like underneath, like underneath. the drawer, like, because they had that, like, sticky tape. Yeah, like the little runners for the drawer. Mm-hmm. I put them on top of those little metal brackets. So even if you open the drawer, even if you looked uh, under, it would be very, very hard to find them. They were tiny little speakers. Mm-hmm. Connected them to my phone, found the scariest, uh, you know, horror movie type um, sounds Playlist. I could find. Of yeah. just like, oh, help me. And there was maybe help like. Help me. I think there was like some girls mm-hmm. singing, like some spooky, like. Yeah, just but just weird, but not like a yeah. song, mm-hmm. but like a, like a haunt, traditional like haunted noises. And then I was down in the living room and I could control that through uh, a phone, like through the, you know, just a push pause. And so what he would do is like, he would start being like, dad, dad, come up here. <laughs> and then I would go upstairs and I would hit pause. So when I went right before I went in his room, so when I was in there, like neither one of us could hear anything. He's like, I know I heard something. And I'm like, buddy, you probably watched something scary. <laughs> I kept that going for a while. 
And he was getting really spooked. He's not an easy kid to spook. He was getting really scared. Yeah, he's like a very clinical kind of kid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, very, very practical. And uh, Lindsay and I were going to go downstairs. Lindsay wanted to go downstairs and talk about it's how to fault. end the prank. It's my fault because our house is a split level. So when mm-hmm. Dan says like he was in the living room, he was on like the main floor. Yeah. And Kyler's up here. And I w- we went down one too many flights of stairs. Yep, I, was, I ruined it. I was going to play it one more time. And then as I went down the stairs to the basement, <laughs> Kyler in his room hears from his nightstand, Bluetooth disconnected. <laughs> And then was like, Dad! He was like so mad. He was near tears. <laughs> right, right. And I don't know if they were tears of anger or relief. <laughs> right. God, it was so He good. did admit later that it, it got him. Oh, I know. And he's not a he's not a paranormal believer. So no, like he, it was hard to sell all him. bullshit. Mm-hmm. Which is I mean, fine, whatever. You go ahead and you be fifteen. What do you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, are you ready for I'm ready. My two scary stories? I am. Who, who are you squishing on today? I went today? back to my little, I don't know. Layla? Layla. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I was, was going to say gingerbread person. No, don't disrespect her like that. She's still got her sniff? Yep. Still smells good. <laughs> Incredible. So- She's been smelling good for so long. Funny, funny, funny. Okay. So for our first story, uh, we're checking in with a, a truck driver fan, uh, Chuck. And of course, like I see the name Chuck, I think about your stand-up bit about Chuck. So Chuck, if you don't know about Dan's stand-up bit about Chuck, you're going to have to go find it. Well, and it's kind of hard to find because it's like a hidden mm-hmm. album. But there, there was a bit <sighs> about fuck Chuck, but not, but not, not you, you, Chuck. Not you. Not former you. neighbor. Um, but so he has a weird incident incident occurring in his house with a potential mystery woman and his dog. And so I, I'm curious. I'm not really going to ask you a question up top like I kind of sometimes do. I want to connect with you at the end because when I read this story, I had so many thoughts of like, oh, I wonder what Dan will think about this. Okay. Okay. All right. So let's, let's dive in. Chuck starts with, hey, Dan and Lindsay, I'm a huge fan of both Time Suck and Scared to Death. I drive a truck for a living. And the best part of my job is that I have hours upon hours a day with nothing to do but drive and to listen to Spotify. Yes. Thank you, Spotify. So I quickly burn through the back catalog of both shows and eagerly look forward to new episodes each and every week. And we got really lucky with Spotify. We've mentioned mm-hmm. before on a, a playlist. And they've just been really good to us. So yeah. super happy that you found us there. I personally have never been a strong believer in the paranormal. And I find myself pretty skeptical, but I still love listening to the stories and I do find them highly entertaining. I never had anything super spooky happen in my life apart from this one thing that happened several months ago. My wife and I purchased our first home three years ago in a small town outside of Kalamazoo, Michigan. Around that time, we also got our first dog, a male chow chow named Apollo. My wife works first shift in a senior healthcare facility and I work third shift as a truck driver, so we rarely see each other during the week. When this event happened, it was near the beginning of the quarantine, so her senior center temporarily closed down and she was only doing her home clients. While not a daily occurrence, it became common for my wife to sometimes get out of work early. Apollo likes to sleep with me in the bedroom, but when my wife gets home from work, she'll let him out to pee and cuddle with her until it's time for her to come to bed. One day, I had gone to bed like normal. I woke up to the sound of the bedroom door opening. I half opened my eyes and noticed the sun was setting. I saw the dimly lit outline of a female. I assumed it was my wife standing in the doorway. I muttered, love you, rolled over and went back to sleep. Apollo got up and walked out of the room and the door closed behind him. A short time later, what I assumed to be a couple of hours since it was then completely dark out, I again heard the bedroom door open. The dog walked into the room, the door closed. He pressed his nose into the back of my neck repeatedly nudging me and whining and so I turned over. 
He was acting like he needed to go out again. I needed the restroom myself and was a bit thirsty, so I got up, figuring I'd go spend a little bit of time with my wife before heading back to bed. I walked out of the bedroom to find the house was pitch black. I was thinking, that's weird. Unsure of why my wife wouldn't have left any lights on. I looked in the driveway, and my wife's car wasn't there. I was so confused. I picked up my phone and called her to check in on her. When she answered the phone, I said, hey, where'd you go? She was utterly and totally confused. She said she was at work. I replied, yeah, but you were just here. I ju- you just let the dog back in the bedroom. She said she was busy at work covering for extra clients due to sick coworkers and hadn't come home and at that would be home late. I was so extremely confused. She said that I must have been dreaming and left it at that. I tried to comprehend what the hell had just happened. Apollo's nose and fur were cold as if he'd been outside. Mm. Also, you may know, Chow Chows are not shy dogs. He will bark at any slight noise, from the mailman to a neighbor dog barking to a squirrel farting in our backyard. (laughs) He usually barks when my wife gets home from work, but I now realized he hadn't made a sound. But I 100% knew I hadn't dreamed the door opening twice, him exiting and entering the room, or that female figure I had seen in the doorway. And the second time, I had gotten up literally a minute after the door had closed. It freaks me the fuck out even just typing this. To this day, it is the creepiest thing I've ever experienced. I don't know who the hell opened the door and let my dog out for a couple of hours and then let him back into the bedroom, but it sure as hell wasn't my wife. We keep our doors and windows locked. If someone had broken in, my dog would have gone berserk. The only one who knows exactly what happened that night is the dog, and he's not talking. He never did pee when I let him out that second time, so that isn't why he was nudging me to get out of bed. Nothing similar has happened since that day. Actually, nothing else has, nothing strange at all has happened since that day. Again, thanks so much for all the laughs and spooky tales. They keep me awake as I drive a truck on a mostly empty, dark highway. Mm -hmm. Take care, Chuck. Oh, thanks, Chuck. And drive safe. I know. Be careful. Okay, so now. Wow. Before mm. before we recap. Oh, yeah. So right mm-hmm. before recording, I got an email from Chuck because as you guys, well, some of you know, and some of you are newer listeners, at the end of our first year or season one, however you want to put it, we took all the fan stories and we made this really amazing compilation book. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. Um, and so, of course, we're going to do it for the next year, right? Yeah. And so. As we're doing this, I send people a release form, get their permission, yada, yada. And so Chuck was like, didn't think his story would ever be included and has some additional info he wanted me to share. Okay. He says, hi, once more, Dan and Lindsay. Since my email was so brief, I honestly didn't expect it to ever be featured. I would like to add a follow-up email with a bit more context on why I didn't just dismiss this as a vivid dream, since it seems easy to do. The figure I saw was identical to my wife in height, body shape, and long, dark hair. I said, assumed to be because the only light was from the only light coming through was from behind the sunset coming through the windows on the far side of the house. So I couldn't see the face. She's my high school sweetheart who I've been with for 15 years. So I am very familiar with what she looks like. And this thing wasn't transparent or smoky or otherworldly in any way. It was very solid and very real. The only odd thing was the fact that there was no reply when I said, love you, but honestly, I thought nothing of it until afterwards. The dog getting up and leaving is also significant. He's 65 pounds and sleeps on the bed with me with his head usually resting on my legs. There's a significant weight to him leaving and his claws make a distinct clicking noise when he walks across the wood floors. 
Finally, the most significant detail is that his thick fur and face were freezing cold after he came back. This happened in winter, and he had either spent a significant amount of time outside in the frigid air or whatever he or wherever he'd been, it had been freezing cold to chill his face and fur so thoroughly. Our bedroom and house are kept at a comfortable 68 degrees. Thanks again. Keep on sucking, Chuck. Wow. Thanks, Chuck. I mean, I mean, the thing that sold it for me, I thought it did sound with, with the details he had originally uh, very interesting was the temperature of the dog. Was the dog being cold? Uh-huh. That to me, it's like, well, then the dog was outside. And, and if there's no dog door, which there isn't, otherwise they wouldn't be letting their dog out. Right. Well, in a 65 pound dog does not have a dog door. <laughs> I mean, I guess it could, too. but not gen- not generally speaking. It would just open the door like a regular door. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Like, uh, so, th- and then and then the other thought I had was when he talked about the details, I guess this is like doppelganger. I know. Just like with those doppelganger stories we've told, that's so creepy. So creepy. It really fucked me up because I thought about our house and the way that we live our life. And yeah. sometimes one of us, generally me, goes to bed first. And when yeah. I go to bed, we have two dogs. Penny will come to bed with me and Ginger will stay upstairs. And even if I was to stay up and you were to go to bed first, Ginger always wants to be with whoever is awake. Yeah. So I have this thought of like, oh, yeah, well, like you'll come down the stairs. I have the bedroom door closed, but not all the way. So the dogs can get in and out because they're mm-hmm. assholes and they have to come check on each other. Mm-hmm. But you will, like, turn on the hallway lights. Mm-hmm. You'll come in. Mm-hmm. You'll get pajamas. You'll go back out to use the restroom to get ready for bed. Like, it was like a routine that you used to. Yes. Yeah. And, and, this and is that what, was not the same routine. Well, no, this this is their routine that their wife, the wife would come home, get the dog oh, out of the bedroom. Oh, got you. Yes, that we got you. I so see it's going. so yeah. easy to, like, and then if you came back to bed two hours later and I would was like, Oh, why'd you come to bed before? I would say, like, did you get up? Were you hungry? Like, I was able to put myself in Chuck's position so thoroughly that I thought, like, well, fuck that. I'll be sleeping on the couch from now on if Dan wants to stay up late working. Uh, I don't want to be alone. Oh, great. (laughs) Okay, rude. Uh, When you're talking about the dogs, I was just thinking of just last night because you went to bed first. Mm Mm-hmm. And I went and watched a uh, scary show in the basement. Yeah. And Penny was, I was like, God dang it. Like, uh, uh, Gigi was on my lap. Yeah. And so I like, I know where she is. And then Penny decides, you know what would be a fun thing to do right now? Just kind of like lurk in the background and just quietly walk around and occasionally make noises. Wait, was she by the- she never does. But wait, was she by the fight camp? Yes. Okay, wait. So this morning, this is so weird. Okay. So this morning I got up at 545. Yeah. And, okay, as soon as we get up, we feed our dogs right away, and they are like crack addicts for their food. Yeah. And so they know the moment one of us gets up and leaves the bedroom, it could be two in the morning, we're just going to the restroom, they think it's feeding time. Mm-hmm. They suck. So I get out of bed, I go to the restroom, Penny and Ginger run upstairs to the top of the stairs, and it was earlier than they'd normally be fed, so I was trying to hold off. Yeah. And so then I was like, okay, like, Penny, Ginger, like I called them, I hear them walking around upstairs, and then... And Ginger never does this. She came downstairs, looked at me in the bathroom, and then went down to the basement and was poking around by the fight camp. Yeah, they sniff around in that area lately. I don't know what's going on. But I know that last night it was annoying because, like, it was just, like, the quiet parts. And it was a pretty scary uh, show I was watching. So I was already just, like, getting, like, goosebumps and stuff just being yeah. by myself with my back towards— What are you watching? Uh, still, like, The Haunting on Hill House. Oh, okay. And I'm like, oh, it was, like, a good, really good episode. Yeah. <laughs> and then every once in a while I would just hear, like— <laughs> My God. Like, like, like back behind. I'm like, God dang it, Penny, get out of there. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, this morning when Ginger went down there, it's just so weird. They never go in the basement without us. Right. Literally ever. I've never come home and found the dogs lying on the couch in the basement True. or anything. That's just not where they it's not their go. Spot. No. And their toys are like locked away downstairs. Yeah. But I thought like, oh my God, did Ginger have to go to the bathroom so bad? Does she just go to the bathroom in the basement? Which they also never do. Mm-hmm. Something's going on down there. Great. Or yeah. you've been shedding a lot of sweat doing fight camp on I the have. mat, and, and maybe they're back there licking up your salty sweat. <laughs> that sounds likely. I'm just going to go with that because it makes me feel better. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Okay, so this next one uh, takes us to our friendly neighbors in northwestern Washington. And, uh, yeah, we're going to go on a little bit of a journey with our fan, Ryan, who okay. seems to be a small mag, or maybe not small, a magnet for shadow people. Okay. Which kind of is like... Creepy? Yeah. It is creepy. And I, I'm super curious to know, like, if you... What this story made me think is like, if you saw something once, yeah. do you think that you're then more susceptible to seeing something again? Or is it like you're always questioning like, okay, I for sure saw this one thing this one time, somebody else verified it. And now every time I see something out of the corner of my eye, do you then automatically assume, oh, that was another shadow person? Maybe. I mean, it depends on the personality of the person, I think, seeing the things. But I could see that. I could see what like, happened it- to you. Um, yeah, if I saw something like I really got a good look at something once something yeah. shadowy a figure and then after that for sure that that would be an assumption my brain would go to in my peripheral vision. Yeah, because like you're a little bit nuts. So like you would think. <laughs> okay, okay. That's a weird turn. Well, it's not a weird turn like you because I think that you're nuts that you want to see something. Oh, I see. You know, like you're like, okay, yeah, let's see it. Yeah. So if you see it once, I think you'd want to see it. I don't think once would be enough for you. It depends on what it was. Mm. Doesn't how scary. Well, let's find out what's going on with Ryan. Okay. Okay. Hello, scared to death crew. I had no intentions of sending in a story, but after what happened to me tonight, in connection to all the other things that have happened to me, it seemed like the right time to tell you my tale. To start, I want to share that I'm new, both to Time Suck and Scared to Death. I work as a custodian at a high school in Northwest Washington State, and I work from 2.30 p.m. until 11 p.m., (sighs) mostly by myself, and so podcasts fill the silence as I work. A friend of mine suggested Time Suck, and I am enjoying it, and now I'm trying to catch up, which will take a while, as I have a bit of listening to do, <laughs> uh, and, and I like to alternate between one Time Suck and one Scared to Death. And then he goes on to say, by the way, Scared to Death isn't exactly the best idea to listen to when one has to walk the halls of a spooky old yeah. school building at 1045 at night, in the dark, alone. I was just thinking that. Doing security checks. <laughs> I wouldn't say I ever actually get scared, but the podcast definitely gives me a solid case of the heebie-jeebies. I'm 44 years old, and my experiences with the strange start way back when I was in the third grade. Oh, wow. Shortly after my family moved into a new home, which was down a long gravel driveway on a couple of acres with very few neighbors. Not long after moving in, both my little brother and I started to regularly see black figures around the exterior of the house. Fun. Many times we would see small black figures that appeared to be running up and down the road or darting back and forth from the road to the shrubs. Then I began to see what looked like black shadow people peering at me from behind trees or over top the shrubs. This went on for a number of years. However, it did seem to happen less and less as time went on. I never had any kind of explanation for what my brother or I saw. At about 17 years old, I got a job as a dishwasher in a local restaurant. I always felt uncomfortable working there, especially on nights when I worked alone. I regularly felt as though I was being watched or that I wasn't alone. I began hearing stories from the janitor and some of the cooks and waitresses that the building was supposedly haunted. This gave me pause, but I wasn't freaked out. Then one night I was working late into the night, 
by myself when out of the corner of my eye, I saw what happened or what appeared to be a black shadow man. He was over six feet tall and was just leaning against the wall at the other end of the kitchen watching me. Oh my God. After this, I regularly started seeing this figure. It or he was always just out of the corner of my eye, but when I'd look directly at it, there would be nothing. One day, I was washing dishes, and I happened to look over at the wait station where the racks of drinking glasses were stored on slanted shelves for easy access. From the middle of one of the racks of glasses, a glass suddenly jumped out of the rack and fell to the floor about two feet away from the rack while no one else was anywhere near the glasses. A few days later, a waitress was picking up food from the cook station when suddenly a bottle of ketchup slid across the counter of the wait station, hit the floor, and rolled a few inches, stopping right next to the waitress. She looked at me, and I looked at her. She shrugged and said, well, that was weird, <laughs> and just brushed it off. I still regularly saw the shadow person out of the corner of my eye, and after a while, it didn't matter where I went in the kitchen, a shadow person seemed to follow. I saw other shadow people standing behind me, in doorways, in the middle of the room, or leaning against the wall. They seemed to be everywhere. I decided that listening to the radio at full volume was now necessary because I had started hearing things moving in, moving in the restaurant. When I was alone in the building, I would hear the sound of footsteps on the wooden floor, chairs moving, doors closing, and every once in a while, I'd hear whispering voices. One evening, as I was setting up for the buffet for the evening shift, from the corner of the room, I heard my name being whispered from the corner of the room. Ryan. That same evening, a man came through the buffet line with his three kids. I sliced up some prime rib for the kids. They thanked me and walked out of the buffet station back to their table. I was slicing prime rib for the dad, and suddenly he looked me square in the eyes and said, Thank you, Ryan. One thing we did not have at this restaurant were name tags, and I had never seen this person before. In time, I found a different job and moved away, but even then, I still experienced odd things, such as seeing shadow people or hearing noises. It didn't happen often, but it happened nonetheless. About three years ago, I started my current job. As everyone knows, kids like to claim that their school is haunted, so of course, I would hear different stories, most of which I didn't take seriously. One evening, however, I was collecting garbage from the classrooms, and as I was picking up a wastebasket, I thought I saw one of the teachers standing behind me out of the corner of my eye. I stood up to turn to say hello, only to see no one was there. During one summer, I was replacing burned-out light bulbs in the girls' locker room when I distinctly heard two male voices carrying on a conversation in the gym. I opened the door to see who was there, only for the talking to stop the moment I put my hand on the door handle. Looking into the gymnasium, where the voices had been coming from, no one was there. Another night, I had just finished mopping floors and was emptying my mop bucket into the floor basin when from directly behind me, I heard a low male voice very clearly say, hello. I looked around, but once again, no one was there. I heard um, one other evening, I heard, uh, sorry, on a separate evening, I was cleaning the office staff bathrooms in the building by myself when I heard a door open and slam shut. Instead of being freaked out, I was fed up and I just got mad. I simply yelled for the for it to get out of my building and that I didn't have time for its crap. Apparently, it didn't want to listen to me because about an hour later, I was vacuuming one of the offices when I heard a loud ringing. I looked over at the desk and somehow the phone had been put on speakerphone and was making an outgoing phone call. I picked up the receiver and ended the call before anyone on the other end picked up. What? 
With COVID, one of my many duties is to sanitize the door handles and sign-in stations at the main entrances of the building. As I was sanitizing the building one night, I was wiping down a table from the hallway uh, when from the hallway of doors to various classrooms, I heard a loud I have no idea which door someone was knocking at because no one else was around and my coworker was at the opposite end of the school. Which brings me to tonight, my most recent experience. I was cleaning a room that has two doors with large windows that look out onto the football field. I was checking to be sure all of the doors were securely locked. As I approached the doors, I saw a red flashing light. I assumed it was from an emergency vehicle or police vehicle that had possibly pulled someone over on the street nearby. I looked out the window, and when the red light stopped, it was replaced by a flashing white light on the football field. There was someone standing in front of the light and what appeared to be a fog or smoke billowing around them. At first, I assumed it was a teenager playing some kind of ridiculous prank, so I continued on my way, checking doors. But then I started to question where the smoke and fog was coming from, and I grew a bit worried that whomever was out there doing this prank was damaging the field. It had been maybe three minutes at best when I went back to that door. I looked out the windows, and that's when I felt spooked. There was nothing and no one. No flashing white light, no person, and the smoke or fog or whatever it was had completely disappeared. I'm questioning why I, why I have experienced so many things, and I'm getting to the point of wondering not if something will happen, but when the next thing will happen. Am I being followed? Take care, Ryan. Gosh, Ryan, that was creepy. The phone call was the thing that fucked me up the most in all of that. Ugh. Can't, like, How? How, right. how, 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 how? Right. How, how, how? Are you hearing something? Is there something, uh, like, sound like the wind blowing? No. <sighs> I was losing my mind halfway through that story. I've been hearing so many things in my headphones. You're not hearing anything in yours? No. Are you Great. okay? <laughs> I don't know what I'm hearing. I forgot to acknowledge that when you were telling your <sighs> second story, I, I was certain that there was a spider coming down on my head. I just suddenly felt something up, like tickle my forehead and i went like this like in the middle of your story where i was like what remember last week when something yeah. got me on my back mm-hmm, i know yeah getting getting I, worked up i thought the ghost in our studio was gone but maybe the ghost is back you're messing with me you didn't hear anything i didn't hear anything okay <laughs> i'm going crazy <laughs> uh i don't know well, i don't know <laughs> It was just like a low humming and it kept Maybe. changing in frequency. And then I just felt like something was moving, like the wind or something. It was just all these, it well, was just definitely sounds. I mean, there are could windows be, behind I know, you. I know, I know. Could Maybe, be something outside. Maybe there's, I mean, I know it's oh, winter. As soon as the show's over, I'm going to check and see what's going on out there. Yeah, maybe there's like a gardener, like like leaf blowing. There better be something or... going on out there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, friend, I'm worried about you. <laughs> oh, okay, well, do you want to go first for those? Uh, did you want to say anything about Ryan's story? You're so fucked up right now. Yeah, I, I, I think just the story, I, I mean, all I'll say is that it was good. It was good and creepy. Yeah. I was listening so quietly. Then I started hearing, <laughs> I don't know what, and it added to the story. It was like yeah. a, it was like my own private, like, um, uh, scoring for that story. <laughs> and so it was just weirding me out. But, like, if, I, I will say, if I had had the experiences that he has had, I would not be listening to this podcast uh, after dark by myself in that school. Oh, like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be I'm listening to the podcast. Of, I'm not that much of a creeper. No way. I wouldn't be listening to this podcast. Probably fucking at all. <laughs> I would not be working alone at night. Oh my god! Like Ryan, you're so brave. Or maybe I mean, he I just guess, doesn't care. Well, you know what? I guess if he's if you've seen something like that your whole life and they've never harmed you, 
then maybe you just kind of acclimate to it. This is the, right. This coffee mug is so. My coffee is still hot. Nice. Thanks. Listen, listen, brown noser. Thanks, Spotify. No, well, I'm trying to say the brand. Really, it's that. It's M I I R. Look, do look at that steam. Mm-hmm. Nice. Dang. Okay. My paper cup, not so much. <laughs> I know. That's what made me think of it. All right. Do you want to start with our Annabelle's? Yes. All right. Have at it, Dan. Uh, thank you to Sydney Ferguson for supporting the show. Chris Young, Dan uh, Tassius, Sonia, Sonia uh, Marone, Joshua Frederick, Sabrina Wilcox, Carolyn Korpusik, Amber P., John Gallette, Donna K. Meather. Okay. I, I feel confident about half of those. I know. I, I thought I got you good this week. Okay. You probably did. <laughs> I, you know, I write them all out, and then mm-hmm. I pick the 10 hardest ones, and I give them to you. Mm-hmm. It's very intentional. <laughs> okay. I would love to say thanks to our Annabelle's Courtney Hale, Niall Gargan, Alejandra Lilly. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Alejandria Lilly. Bonnie Banfield. Cassandra Fur- Furpy. Tia Mingus. Cassandra... Oh, God. I practiced this before. Cassandra McIntyre. Douglas Brill, Andrew Corey Elkins, and Kaylee Parton. There were a lot of hard ones this week. There were. I didn't really want to mess you up. And then, of course, I have a few spoopy shout-outs, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. Um, A a little spoopy shout-out to Jimmy from Danielle. Happy birthday. To Mia from Sabi. No, Sabe. To Mia from Sabe. Happy birthday, my sister. To Katrina from Dakota. Happy birthday and happy anniversary. To Monique and Angel from Andrew, I love you. And to Kim from Tom, sending you some love. Ah, very sweet. This is such an interesting name, Sabe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'd, curious I'd what that, that is. And, uh, and and thanks to all of you who have left ratings and reviews online, uh, Creeps and Peepers. Uh, they really do help us find new listeners. They help us stay up in the charts, which helps us uh, you know, grow, and we're very appreciative. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's all for today. Thank you for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. You can email us for everything else at info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thanks to Logan Keith for his work on social media and badmagicmerch.com design with the merch design. Thanks to producer Sophie Evans for her help with story curation, Zach Flannery for producing and directing today, and, and Zach Cohen for custom soundbed creation. Thanks to Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails. Special thanks to Reeves Wiedemann Who's for, that? for doing such fantastic investigative journalism for his story about the Watcher for thecut.com. Oh, cool. Yeah, his 2018 article was invaluable as far as story details. Uh, and then subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you want more content at Scared to Death Podcasts. We have a private Facebook group, Creeps and Peepers, with over 13,000 horror lovers. Thanks to Liz Hernandez for moderating. Check out our Patreon if you want more content, a merch discount to get the entire catalog ad free and more. And most importantly, enjoy your nightmares, Creeps and Peepers. Uh, be brave like Ryan, I guess. Uh, hope you were scared to death. Bye. Peace. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but have no home here within scared to death. Imagine bold, naturally aged Tillamook cheddar slices melting over a burger eating thick-cut cheddar shreds straight from the bag. (sighs) It's nice to dream about cheese for a bit. Tillamook Cheddar. Extraordinary Dairy. 
Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.